I want to draw your attention to Acts chapter 13 this morning as we continue our series in Acts. And I'm going to be reading this morning from verses 1 through 12. Listen to the word of the Lord. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them, sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of the God, the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as, far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. This is the Word of God. Thanks be unto God. Let's pray. Father, now as we, all of us, sit under the authority of Your Word, I do pray, as I do every week, that You would do that work by Your Word through the power of Your Spirit, that You would make us more like Your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that the Spirit's power would be at work among us this morning, that You Lord God, would teach us, and that you would encourage and strengthen our faith together as we listen to your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm often uh, asked by my wife to put things together. Uh, she has purchased from the store a bookcase, a shelf, some other piece of furniture or equipment, and I actually enjoy doing it once I actually make the time to do it. Yet there are those times when that joy of putting something together and standing back and appreciating the work is frustrated by the observation that something that was meant to be straight is now crooked. <laughs> and the crookedness is often the result of missing a step somewhere in the assembly or simply ignoring the instructions altogether at points because I think I know what I'm doing and don't actually need the words of the instructions to guide me. And there are those occasions where the project has to be taken fully apart and put back together again according to the instructions. 
Now, while some of you may be better at putting things together than I am, (laughs) one truth about our human nature after the fall remains. We have a propensity for making God's straight paths crooked. We are good at thinking we know how to put things together apart from reading God's instructions only to stand back and realize that things things remain misaligned, off-center, crooked. And some folk, like Bar-Jesus in the story in front of us, specialize in making things crooked. Indeed, in the case of folk like Bar-Jesus, the misalignment isn't accidental but intentional. They go about misaligning things on purpose in order to frustrate God's plans, to frustrate His purposes. But God, who is the master builder, the one who built all things by the word of His power, does not allow the misalignment to go unaddressed. Instead, He has, through His Son, Jesus, spoken a message, a word into this crooked and perverse world. He has spoken to us of His kingdom, a kingdom in which all the misalignments that sin and death have brought into this world are addressed. And Paul and Barnabas, through the Holy Spirit, were being sent out from the church in Antioch with that message. And more than 2,000 years later, you and I, through the Holy Spirit, are being called out into the world with that message. And as we go, as we go, we are going to come face to face with the spirit of Bar-Jesus, that spirit at work in this world to misalign, to make God's ways crooked. And we're going to come face to face with people, with systems, with beliefs, with customs, and the like that have already been misaligned by that spirit that was at work in Bar-Jesus. But we are not without the message that will bring alignment to this world. The Word of God, which teaches us about the kingdom of God, about Christ as its Lord, and about those who put their faith in Him as its citizens in this world, we know about that Word that makes the crooked paths straight. I want to tell you this morning, brothers and sisters, and you know it, the world is full of perversions to the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. It's full of things, full of things, in other words, that seek to offer us what only the good news of the kingdom of God come in Jesus Christ can. So if we really want to know our true identity, if we really want to understand our true calling in this world, we can only understand and know it by attaching ourselves through faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's only in Jesus that we can fully be restored to our original identity and fully restored to our original calling. It's only in Jesus that we can find our way. And any message, any teaching, any ideology, any word that tells us that we can be fully settled in our identity or fully settled in our calling in this world apart from Christ is a lie, and it will only lead to misalignment. And that is what I want us to see as we look at this text this morning, I want us to see the perversion, the misalignment, the crooked path that Bar-Jesus was proclaiming, and the truth, the straight path of the Lord 
that Paul and Barnabas were proclaiming in order that we may see and know what our true identity is and see and know what our true calling calling is in this world. So let's talk first about identity. There's an irony. There's, There's an irony in the very name of the magician, the Jewish false prophet whom Paul and Barnabas encounter on the island of Cyprus in verse 6. The name by which he is identified is Bar-Jesus, which translated means son of Jesus or son of the Savior. The name Jesus meaning God saves. Yet the misalignment could not be any clearer because Bar-Jesus is anything but a son of a Savior, anything but a son of Jesus who has brought salvation into this world. He is anything but a person who leads others to the salvation of God. Indeed, Paul will later in verse 10 call him a son of the devil. Bar-Jesus, in fact, doesn't draw his identity from a connection to the company of Jesus or the company of God. No, he draws his identity from his position as a member of the pro-council's court. We read in verses 6 and 7, he was with the pro-council, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them. And it's not a stretch, it's not a stretch to say that in, po- in opposing Paul and Barnabas and seeking to lead the proconsul away from the faith, that he was in point of fact working to protect his own place in the proconsul's court. His identity, in other words, was bound up in being a member, a part of the pro-council's court, a part of his crew, if you will, being a part of his clique. His identity was rooted, no doubt, in the benefit he received financially, the benefit he received in terms of reputation, the benefit he received in terms of power. His name was Bar-Jesus, but he was not a member of Jesus' company, not drawing his identity from relationship with God's people, but rather from his position in the pro-council's court. And this is indeed the perversion. This is the crooked path that the world wants to lead us down. We are enticed. We are enticed to draw our identity from the seats of power in this world from the company of those with the ability to give us power and reputation and resources. We are enticed to believe that it is in that company that we will find our true identity. But notice the difference between Bar-Jesus and Paul and Barnabas. With whom are Paul and Barnabas attached? Who is the company out of which these two brothers hail. From whom do they draw their identity? Well, verses 1 through 4 tells us that the company that they are in is the company of Jesus, the Jesus who actually saves. They were a part of God's church as it was gathered together in Antioch. And among others, I want you to notice one person in the group whose presence in the church in Antioch gives definition to where this group actually drew their identity. We are told that among them, there was a man named Manan. And we are told that this Manan was a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch. This is the Herod who sought to interrogate Jesus before his death. 
the same Herod who put John the Baptist to death. So Manan was a lifelong friend of Herod Antipas. And yet rather than attach himself to Herod and Herod's company, rather than enjoying the benefits of being a friend of one of the most powerful men in the world at that time, Manan chose to be identified with Jesus, to be identified with the one whom Herod and his company treated with contempt and mockery. He chose to be identified with the church of Jesus, tying his fortunes to Jesus' community. In the same way that we are told of Moses, that he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. We are told that in the community of Antioch, there was a leader, Manan, who had done the same thing. This was the community out of which Paul and Barnabas hailed. They too, rather than be attached, rather than be attached to the powers of this world, chose instead to be attached to Jesus and his community than to enjoy the riches of the world. Why? Because they knew that salvation was only to be found in Jesus and that his company was the community through which he was at work to bring the knowledge of his kingdom into this broken world. Brothers and sisters, don't pursue the crooked path. Don't be enticed by the misalignment. Your identity is not bound up in the company of the powerful of this world, but in being attached to Christ and to Christ's community, to His church. It is that community in which Christ is ultimately at work in word and deed and sign to proclaim the coming kingdom of God into this world. If you're going to draw your identity from anything, draw it from being a part of the people of the living God. The crooked path, (laughs) the crooked path is one where we seek our identity among the powerful of this world rather than with Jesus and His church. And so this forces us to ask a question, ask ourselves a question. Among whom, are we, among whom are we most at home? Is it really with Jesus and His church, as it's described in the Bible, that multi-ethnic community of faith? Or, or is it with those to whom we have tied ourselves politically? Or those to whom we have tied ourselves financially? Or those to whom we have tied ourselves to socially? who have some power in the world and thus some benefit to give to us. I hear people talk about mission among the powerful, about maintaining or establishing those relationships for the sake of the kingdom. And yes, the gospel is for the powerful. It's for the rich too, by the way, for for the influential too, by the way. But don't get it twisted. The powerful are invited to do what Menaean did. They are invited to do what Paul and Barnabas did, to do what Moses did. Let's examine our relationships with the powerful if those relationships exist or our desire for relationship among them and ask ourselves, am I really in the relationship calling them to that? Or am I seeking relationship among them for my own benefit? And then I have to look at my own relationships and ask myself, do my network of relationships look anything like the church in Antioch? Do, do, do my network of relationships look anything like the church in Antioch? 
I'll ask it again. Do my relationships, my network of friendships, look anything like the church in Antioch? Are there people in my group not like me? Are the poor there? Are other ethnic groups there? If we're drawing our identity from being with Jesus, watch what I'm about to say. If we are drawing our identity from being with Jesus and being with His church, then all our relationships shouldn't look the same. Why? His didn't. The Lord's didn't. You think that was on accident? If His relationships don't all look the same, if the people in His clique, in His crew, in his community, in his company, don't all look the same, then why do your relationships all look the same? Why are all the people around you just like you? Where do I draw my identity from? Do I, do I really draw it from being with Jesus and with his community? Or am I drawing my relationships from somewhere else, from being among the powerful and influential of the world so that I can brag <laughs> about myself? What I'm saying to you is Bar Jesus' identity was misaligned. He had a good name, he just had a bad. <laughs> He had, a bad, he had a bad identity. And what I'm trying to encourage us in this morning, brothers and sisters, is to not take that path, but to take the path of Paul and Barnabas, Menaean, Simeon of Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, who chose identification with Jesus and his church and not identification with the powerful of the world. So if we're going to take the straight path, it means checking where we draw our identity. But here's the second half of that. When people are misaligned in terms of identity, it isn't a long distance from that misalignment spilling over into calling. Bar Jesus was identified in this way, not just because of his name, but because of his actions. Listen again to verse 8. But Elimus the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Paul's rebuke suggests that his actions weren't just limited to what he tried to do in terms of drawing the proconsul away from the faith. No, Paul's rebuke in verse 10 suggests that this was Bar Jesus' normal behavior. It wasn't just that he was doing this with the proconsul, this was his normal behavior. Bar-Jesus was one who, though he claimed to be a source of divine revelation, he claimed to be a source of divine revelation, he was actually living his life drawing people away from the Lord. Paul says, will you not stop making crooked the straight path of the Lord? Bar-Jesus spent his life obscuring people's vision, spent his life blinding the minds of those around him, keeping them from seeing God's glory. Spent his life doing the opposite, actually, the opposite of what Isaiah 40 calls for. When it says this, in the wilderness, 
prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. It's no wonder, it's no wonder that bar Jesus' punishment from God fits his own behavior. The one who spent his life blinding others from seeing the glory of God is now blinded, unable to see the light of day. The one who led others away from the truth such that they did not know where they were going now needs someone to lead him around by the hand so that he can know where he is going. And this is what it looks like when people give themselves to a crooked purpose in this life, a crooked calling. When they do, they go about leading others away from the way of the Lord, from the truth, away from seeing the glory of God as He has revealed to us in the Word of God and preached in the church. And there are lots of folk, brothers and sisters, what I'm saying is there's a lot of folk in this world who have given themselves to that crooked purpose, to that crooked calling. And many of them are outside the church and so easily recognized if we have eyes to see. But some are wolves in sheep's clothing, people inside the church bound to their own agenda, their own self-interest. But what's our calling? What's our calling? Our true calling in the church, in the face of this crooked calling, is to proclaim the Word of God, the whole counsel of God to the world. It is to proclaim in every arena of life the Word of God, which is the answer to all the crooked messages and crooked activities that go on in this world. And this isn't just a call for some, it's a call for all of God's people. Notice that Paul and Barnabas are sent out by the Holy Spirit from the church in Antioch. They weren't cowboys. They weren't solo artists. They had a particular call from the Spirit, but it was a call as members of the body of Christ. And Paul and Barnabas, even though they were missionaries, never forgot that they were a part of this larger community of God's people. And so in Acts 14, they traveled back to Antioch and give a report of the work that God had done through them on their first missionary journey. The point being that this proclamation is a work of the community as a whole, and it is not just the work of individuals. It is the work of all of us to make known the Word of God in this world in the midst of all the crooked and perverted messages that are in it. And this begs the question in terms of application, what is the world hearing from us when we are summoned to give answers? What is the world hearing from us, from the church, when we are summoned to give answers? Paul and Barnabas were summoned by Sergius Paulus who wanted to hear the message they were proclaiming throughout the island. And Paul and Barnabas were ready to give Sergius the answers from the Word of God. And here's my question for us this morning. Are we? Are, are we actually ready to give answer to the questions that the world has of us? Are, are we really ready to, to, to proclaim the Word of God to all the crooked and perverted messages that we are hearing in the world? Are we, are we really ready to answer the world's questions? Do we have biblical answers to the questions the world is asking us right now? How many of us, if we are honest, are just retreating 
to our favorite talking point, our favorite political talking point, our favorite social analysis done from the comfort of our living room rather than in relationship with people, particularly those not like us. How many of us are actually letting the Word of God fix our own crooked lives so that we can go and tell others about the straight path of the Lord? You know why Paul, you want to know why Paul could stand in front of this Gentile ruler and tell him about the straight path of the Lord? It's because that Word of God broke down his own pride, turned him from a hater of the church and likely the Gentiles too, to a member of, a church, of the church and an ambassador of God to the Gentiles. You can't proclaim a word that hasn't changed you, that hasn't transformed you. You can't proclaim a word to a crooked and perverse world that hasn't straightened you out. If the Word of God hasn't done its work in your own life, how are you going to go and tell somebody else how it can straighten out their life? If God hasn't already done this work in your own heart, how are you going to go and tell somebody else how He can do the work in their heart? Paul was able to proclaim the Word of God to Sergius Paulus because Paul himself had been straightened out by the Word of God. Paul himself had been transformed by the Word of God. Paul himself had been led away from that crooked and perverse path that he was heading down toward the straight path of the Lord. And now he can stand in front of Sergius Paulus and say, tell him, in your pride, in your arrogance, there is a word of God to be proclaimed to you that says that there is one king and one ruler and one God and one Lord of all the earth, and his name is Jesus, not Sergius Paulus. And watch this. That change that the word of God wrought in Paul's life also came with a new set of lenses through which to read the Scriptures. Now that Paul had laid aside his own agenda, he was able to see the Word of God with new eyes. Some of us are giving the world bad answers to their questions because we have crooked lenses on that were never adjusted. <laughs> Let me say it another way. Some of us are wearing the same shades we were wearing 50 years ago with lenses that have never been adjusted. He who has ears to hear, listen to what the preacher is saying. We have some folk with some glasses on that are causing them to see the Word of God in the wrong way. And then the world comes and says, give us an answer. I wish I had some glasses so I can illustrate them putting on those glasses, those 50-year-old glasses, those 100-year-old glasses, those 100-year-old glasses that have them looking at their own culture as superior to someone else's. And then they look right at the Word of God, which says that God made of one made all the people of the earth out of one person. But they look, and they can't see it because they got on bad lenses. You pick the topic. 
And despite what the Bible says, some of us are still holding to false narratives and sharing those false narratives with the world as if they are gospel truth. And here's all I'm saying. Let the, let the Word of God change you as you read it and as you prayerfully humble yourself before it. Because if you're not going to let it change you, why would the world think that it can change them? Did you hear me? Did you hear me? Let the Word of God straighten you out, and then you'll know how to lead others on those straight paths of the Lord. <laughs> Amen, people of God. <laughs> there is a crooked path that leads us away from our identity as those who belong to Jesus, belong to His church. And there is a crooked path that leads us away from our calling to proclaim the good news of the gospel, the Word of God, in every area of life where people are heading down a crooked path. That's our calling. And the temptation, the temptation is to be drawn away from that identity and to be drawn away from that calling. But I want to remind you this morning, people of God, that the straight paths of the Lord are found in the Word of God. The Word of God which teaches us about the kingdom about Christ as His Lord, about those who put their faith in Him as its citizens in the world, that Word makes the crooked path straight. And so whether it pertains to our identity or our calling, in this world, the Word of God will show us the path down which we are to walk. And there is no other path than that which leads us to Christ and to membership in His church. The straight path is found in relationship with Jesus and it is found in membership in His body. And I want to be very clear, membership in His body as it is defined in the Bible, not membership in His body as we have defined it in our segregated, separated churches. Membership in His body as it's defined in the Bible. May God in Christ keep us who have put our faith in Him steady and persevering along that path of identity and calling as it is defined in the Word of God. Amen, people of God? God, lead us for Your glory and for Your righteousness in these things. Amen. Let's pray. Father, You see this world. You see all of those crooked paths that seek to lead us away from your truth, away from who we are in you, and away from what we have been called to in you. So I pray for us here at New City Fellowship, Lord, that we would, that we would, by the power of the Holy Spirit, follow the straight paths of the Word of God that has been laid out for us, that we would not seek our identity from being associated with the powerful of this world, but that we would seek our identity instead from being with you, Lord Jesus, and being a part of your church. I pray that that's where we will find our identity. That's where we will find who we are. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would lead us as 
your church in this city along that straight path of the calling that you've laid out for us to proclaim the Word of God in every arena of life where those crooked paths are proclaimed, that people would see, that people would see the glory of the Lord, that they would see and know that there is a God and that there is a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. I pray for us as a church to be led down the straight paths of the Lord for your glory, for your glory and not our own. And I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.